Well, good morning, Community Christian. We are really honored and glad that you joined in with us today. And uh, before you ask, I know what you're thinking. Why in the world is he wearing a Georgia sweatshirt on Super Bowl Sunday? Well, if you followed us on social media, you would know why a lot of us are wearing uh, team gear today. Um, I'm actually wearing this, in case you didn't know, uh, tonight's game when you watch the Super Bowl. It will feature two running backs on both teams, and both of them hail from the University of Georgia, which is why we're known as Running Back University. So go dogs. Well, let's get started. Uh, I want to start today's talk by uh, giving you a little bit of a quiz. Now, don't freak out. You're not going to get a grade, and it's going to be super, super easy. In fact, you're going to be wondering why is he asking us these questions, because they are so stinking easy. Uh, and you don't even have to answer out loud, but you can if you want to. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a one-word problem, and then I want you to give me the one-word solution to that problem. Trust me, it's really easy. Here's the first problem, and everybody experiences these problems, okay? First problem is hunger. What's the solution to hunger? Well, it's food. And I guess most of you are going to be taking care of that problem really well tonight while you're watching the game. How about this one? Problem, thirst. Well, it's something to drink. Some, some kind of fluid, liquid. Most people walk around all day long with uh, some type of drink in a water bottle or some type of cup they sit on their desk or at their workplace, and, and we're always taking care of that problem of thirst with drinking something, having something to drink. How about this problem? Cold. We've had that a lot this week, right? The solution to the problem of cold is heat. Yeah, and the opposite is true. I mean, we air condition and heat every space that we hang out in. Last one. Here's the last problem. What about an itch? Well, it's the scratch. You've got to scratch your itch, and that solves your problem. And again, you're saying, okay, that was obvious. So congratulations, you passed the quiz. But now, now that you're in that mindset, let me throw some, well, just a little bit of a wrinkle into your thinking. If you're a parent, is it your number one job as a parent to to take care of your child's needs every time they have a need. Like, for example, uh, the most, is it the most obvious rule of parenting that whenever your kid has a problem or a need, that you just immediately step in and give them whatever they desire the moment they want it? If you're single or you're dating, is it your number one quality, the one quality that you're looking for in a mate, that you want somebody who goes for immediate gratification of every single desire that they have. Or maybe you're an employer and you're hiring somebody to work for you. Are you looking for that person that is, as soon as they have a need or, or a desire, that they go immediately for that desire? See, that throws a little bit of a wrinkle into that thought process, doesn't it? Now, here's where we're going with this. See, we've been talking about the most, ob or, or the most famous teachings of Jesus. Uh, it's what's called the Sermon on the Mount in the Bible. And we're in this section where Jesus talks about some very practical, life-changing, life-improving kind of strategies. And since we're here at the first part of the year, most of us are looking to improve our lives, to make some type of change, to get a new, year, a new you in this new year. And in this next part that we're looking at where Jesus teaches us one of these little strategies, he, he talks about something in relation to that dichotomy that I just gave you of having desires and, and fixing those desires and those problems. But it's something that, quite honestly, most of us, 99% of us, don't do and probably don't even think about. 
So I want to read to you what Jesus said about this whole thing, and then we'll talk about it some. Here's what Jesus said. He said, when you fast, don't look somber like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it's not obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus is talking to us today about this thing, this practice known as fasting. Now, if you're not familiar with fasting, fasting is simply this. It's simply the practice of abstaining from, well, particularly food and drink for a period of time. But now, just, just so we're clear, a fast can be abstaining from anything, anything that you choose, and it can also be for any length of time that you choose. I mean, it's really up to the person who's fasting or abstaining from that thing. Usually when we talk about fasting, it's food and drink, but it could be other things. But at the same time, it, it needs to be a period of time where you abstain from that thing where it actually brings about some type of loss or some type of hunger, specifically in the area of food and drink. For example, if you say, well, I'm going to fast from breakfast to lunch, that don't count. Because in that period of time, you're likely not to feel any type of loss or any type of hunger. And that's, not the po- and that's just not the point. And you also need to know this. Fasting is not a, just a Bible thing. It's not just a Jesus thing. This was a, kind of a thing that was practiced pretty often in the ancient world where Jesus was, was addressing. And, and it dealt with a lot of different religions. It came from a lot of different places. A lot of times people would fast sort of associating with uh, trying to repent from some type of sin or to get forgiveness from God. Uh, sometimes it would be for these long extended times where people would pray and fast during that time and they were trying to seek guidance from God. In the Bible specifically, it's kind of considered just a part of worshiping God. In fact, you'll see it mentioned uh, um, among God's people in the Bible a lot. You see it a lot in Scripture. In fact, here, the way Jesus sort of talks to us about it, he addresses it sort of like a normal thing. Notice when Jesus talks about it, he doesn't say, hey, if you ever fast, he says when you do. It's sort of like Jesus expects this to be part of part of his followers' lives. So what's the big deal with fasting? Why would Jesus talk about it? Why would he include it in this famous talk that he gave? And, and, and what does it have to do with us? Because here's the thing. I, I think most of us, even us followers of Jesus, we just don't think about fasting very much. We certainly don't do it very often. Uh, we don't see it as being very practical. In fact, most of us see it as something that's just like for really super spiritual people. You know, we think of fasting as something like a monk does in a monastery somewhere, or at the very least, it's for people who are really close to God, and and they're really serious about their relationship with God, but it's not for normal people, and it certainly doesn't work very well in our modern kind of world, and we just don't see it as very practical. Now, there's a couple things you need to know that's real important to remember about this whole idea of fasting. Fasting, particularly from food, it has nothing to do with the food necessarily. It's not God making some type of statement of saying, you know, eating and drinking, that's a bad thing. I mean, loving food is not wrong. If it were, I'd be in trouble because I really, really love food. But God loves food. I mean, he's, he's for it. He kind of came up with the idea. That's, that's not the point here. And this goes back to what I sort of talked to you about in the very beginning and what we all kind of know. 
even though we know that there are desires that we have and, and we know exactly how to fulfill those desires and take care of them, and, and it would kind of seem ridiculous if, if you didn't sometimes, at the same time, those desires that we have, even though they're good things, we all know that they need to be disciplined. They need to be pulled back a little bit because our desires and even our needs have a tendency to take over our lives sometimes. They have the potential to become like gods to us, something that we get attached to. And when we get attached to them too strongly, they can destroy us. See, that's why if you're a parent, you don't give your kids, well, if you're a good parent, you don't give your kids everything they want whenever they want it. You don't fulfill every single desire because you understand that those desires can be dangerous and have the potential to control our lives. And see, when you fast, you learn things like that. See, when you fast, it, it makes you aware of just how strong sometimes your desires, well, what a strong pull they have on you. See, I understand when I fast that sometimes my desires can be, well, they can have a really strong grip on me and on my life, and they can affect my life. And for me, at least, when I have fasted from things or abstained from things for a time, it has taught me something. It has taught me that there are things in my life sometimes, like food, like drink, or maybe some other activity or some other substance, that I go to often to find comfort or to avoid boredom or to deal with my fears or with my worries or to medicate some type of lack of self-worth or to just fill some type of empty spot in my life. And I learned that I'm, I'm doing that when I fast. Uh, the other thing that you can learn by fasting is that, hey, it's possible for me to have an appetite, to have a need, and I don't indulge it, and I'm still okay. In fact, I can survive. And not only can I survive, I actually thrive in the midst of it. And you know this is true, because this is true about a lot of things in your life. Many times when you say no to those urges that you have, it's, it, it winds up being something good for you. It, it promotes other good things in your life, in your body, in your mind. Fasting can actually be something healthy for you. I may have told you guys this before. I think I have in another message. But years ago, there was this uh, study done, and they called it the marshmallow test. You may have heard of the marshmallow test, but a group of researchers got together, and they, they got some five-year-olds, and they would bring them one by one into a room, and they would put a marshmallow in front of them. And they would say, now, this is your marshmallow. You can have this marshmallow, and you can eat this marshmallow. It is all yours. But I'm going to step out of the room for a few minutes, and if you cannot eat that marshmallow, when I come back, if it's still here, I'll give you two marshmallows. And what they were trying to study and to see is, well, how well they handled the struggle between willpower and going for their desires because they really wanted to eat the marshmallow, or could they delay that gratification and get two? And they would study these kids. In fact, they would study them throughout their life to see how well they would do depending on how they handled that whole deal. Now, we thought it might be fun to conduct our very own marshmallow test right here among the staff in the office at Community Christian Church. But as I thought about it, I thought to myself, well, marshmallows is probably not the thing because, you know, marshmallows probably wouldn't be all that tempting to somebody. It wouldn't be a tough enough challenge for our staff. So we thought, what's the thing that would cause a conflict in our staff? Or what would cause them to have a little bit of a struggle if they were asked to give that thing up? Well, we finally came up with something, and we thought it might be fun for you to watch the results.
few weeks we're talking about fasting. We were thinking of a way that we could uh, kind of recreate that in the 21st century. Okay. And uh, so what we were wanting to do to see if for the remainder of your workday, if you would uh, fast from your cell phone. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My wife will be mad, but that's okay. Um, you can have my glasses. You know what's funny? I actually this morning said I wasn't going to get on social media today, except for Snapchat. So I guess, yes, yes, I'll, I'm willing. I'm willing. My food? No, don't want your food. It would be in a secured location. Yes, I would. Your husband? I watch too. Oh, absolutely. Anything that you would do. Look there. Where's your, where's your purse? Just give us that. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to need your wallet as well. All right, give it here. All right, there you go. There's Nathan's cell phone. Till you leave today, and you're not gonna know where it's at. You sure you're good? I'm good. All right. So far, so good. This is a pretty new phone too. I know this for a matter of fact. So, yeah, we probably get some cash for that. All right. Thank you, Leah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I'm gonna fast from something else, Kelly. No. I can't. I got way too much to do. I'm sorry. It seemed like he was really concentrating on something. <laughs> So I realize that um, I miss out on a lot of connection with other people during my day because I'm too attached to my phone. At first it was really nice, I kind of enjoyed the fact that I didn't have it, and then about an hour later I kept reaching for it and fasting from my phone today was actually very good. I don't know why I have so much joy. It's probably a bad thing that I have so much joy. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. It was hard at first. I had all everyone else's phones sitting next to me in a drawer and they kept going off like all day and I found myself <laughs> worried and concerned for my co-workers because they're getting all these messages and it was it was a strange feeling. Personally it didn't bother me but I was worried about everybody else so a few weeks. Okay so maybe we had a little fun with that and we have a chance to laugh at something like that but there really is a serious point behind all of this in what Jesus is trying to teach us today. And it's this. What would your thing be? Here's what I mean. What would be that thing that has a grip on you so much that if someone were to come up to you tomorrow and ask you to get rid of it or give it up for a period of time, you'd really have a hard time doing it. What would be the thing? What would be the activity that's just become so much a part of your life, a part of my life, that it's almost hard to imagine life without it? See, I don't know what that thing might be for you because we're all different, right? Maybe for you it, it, it is food. Or maybe it's some other substance or activity. Maybe it's smoking. Maybe it's vaping. Maybe something even more than that, maybe alcohol, marijuana, pills, some, or, some other type of drug or substance. Maybe for you it's something a little more socially acceptable. Maybe it is a phone or social media. Maybe it's something that's kind of hidden in your life. Could be pride, maybe. Maybe it's gossip and the temptation to just give in to that and just talk about people the way you do sometimes. Maybe it's 
something that's going on in a relationship that you have with this person. Maybe it's the relationship itself and it's just wrong. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's some type of anger or resentment that you carry around. And here's the frustrating thing when it comes to things that wind up having a grip on us and these temptations we go towards. All of these things have the ability to speak to us. They, they kind of like whisper into our ears the reasons why this is okay and, and I don't need to give this thing up. It says to us in our ear, hey, you're entitled to this. You work hard. In fact, think about all the times when you do say no to your desires. I mean, you don't give in all the time, and you deserve a little bit of time that's just for you. You deserve a little bit of this activity or this substance or this thing. And, and, and come on, just every now and then is fine. You're entitled to some happiness, right? And it's really not that bad. I mean, and it'll feel good. And yet Jesus comes into that way of thinking and he introduces us to this practice known as fasting. And the way he introduces it, he introduces it like it's this gift from God who wants to give you the ability to be in charge of your life, to be in charge of your body and not the other way around. In fact, you may have heard people, if, if you're a Christian or you've been around the church long enough, you may have heard people talk about fasting and things like this, and they refer to them as spiritual disciplines. Now, I'll be honest, when you first hear that phrase, spiritual disciplines, your first response is probably to just sort of dismiss it. But I want to share something with you that I think will be really helpful for you to start to think about this in a different kind of way. You know, the Apostle Paul, he writes most of the New Testament, but he also writes more about the spiritual life and spiritual disciplines than almost anybody else does. And let me read to you what he says. He compares this, this life kind of like an athlete in training. He says, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it, do what? We go into strict training to get a crown that will last forever. Did you know that there's a huge difference in trying to do something and training to do something? I'll give you an example. There's like a big football game coming on tonight. I think we already uh, established that. Now, let me ask you something. <clears throat> all these Americans, all of us probably, are going to be huddled around our televisions tonight watching this game, eating really bad junk food, right? But at the same time, while all of America is doing that, there will be a group of people who won't be doing that. You know who won't be huddled around their televisions eating junk food tonight during the game? The people on the playing field, those, those 22 guys competing on the field and the people surrounding that field, they won't be doing that. The ones participating in the game. Because, see, they have to do something different in order to participate in the game. Let me give you another example. How many of you, if I told you right now, hey, I want you to walk out the door today and I want you to go outside and I want you to go run a marathon, an entire marathon. How many of you could do that? Well, now, I'm some of you might, because some of you may be in really good shape. I don't know. But I'm thinking most of us probably couldn't. What if I told you, hey, go out and try really, really hard to run a marathon? You'd still go, well, even if I tried really, really hard, I wouldn't be able to do it. But how about this? And I'm not a betting person, but, I, but if I were, I'll bet if I told some of you, many of you, hey, I want you to go out and run a marathon, but not today. I want you to do it a year from today. I'll give you a full year. I'll bet many of us could do it. 
if we started training for it. If you began to train today, within a year from now, you might very well have the ability to run that marathon because you trained for it. See, training is just simply arranging your life around activities that then give you the ability to do later what you can't do now by just going out and trying to do it by sheer effort. In fact, I once heard somebody say it this way. They said, we all tend to overestimate the things that we can do by trying really hard, but at the same time, we underestimate all the things that we could do if we trained for it. And if you live long enough, you know this is true. Transformation in life, making a change in your life, always involves training. It almost never comes by just trying. And that's why Paul, the Apostle Paul in the Bible, said in another place, he said this, He said, train yourself to be godly. Notice he doesn't say, hey, go out and try really hard to be a godly person. He says, no, go out and train yourself for that because that's how it'll happen. You just try hard and it won't happen. And so things like fasting and all these spiritual disciplines that we can do, they're these activities that, well, they train us. They give us the power or the ability to live a God-honored, a God-honoring life, a God-centered life. In other words, what we've been talking about in this series, it gives us the ability to live life in the kingdom of God. But see, here's the problem. That doesn't sound appealing to anybody. And I get it. I mean, I get it. I mean, don't you hate words like discipline and training? I mean, it just sounds like a diet plan or or, or some type of workout plan that you just don't want to do. I don't want to do that. Nobody does. But here's the thing. Maybe you never thought about this before. Spiritual disciplines, they don't always have to be unpleasant. See, it always depends on what you're training for. Then that, that determines what you, tra- what, you, what you do in your training. Like, if you're going to go out and train to run a marathon, well, you've got to go practice running. That's pretty simple. But if you're training to be, like, in a taco-eating contest, what do you got to go out and do? Well, you get to go out and eat a lot of tacos. See, I've been training for that my whole life, getting pretty good at it. Well, my point is the training doesn't have to be unpleasant. It can actually be something that you enjoy. My point is, if you want to train to be godly, you don't have to always just torture yourself. Let me give you an example, and I think you'll see what I'm talking about. Did you know that in the Bible, one of the commandments that, that are, are, is given to people who follow Jesus, in other words, one of the things that we're expected to do is to be joyful. Yeah, that's true. In fact, there's a list in your Bible that lists out the fruits of the Spirit. In other words, the things that will be evident in the lives of people who follow Jesus if God's Spirit is in them. And you know, the second thing on the list is joy. Christians ought to be the most joyful people on the planet. You ought to be joyful if you're going to follow Jesus. And who wouldn't want to be a joyful person? But if I said to you, hey, go be joyful, and you said, okay, I'm going to go out this week, and I'm going to try really, really hard to be a joyful person, you'll never get it done. It just won't work because trying hard usually kills the thing you want to try hard to do because it gets hard on you, and you're not trained to do it. It's like trying hard to go run a marathon. But you can become a more joyful person if you decide to go into training to be a more joyful person. So now you're wondering, how do I train to be a more joyful person? Well, there's lots of different ways. I'll give you one way. What if you decided to take one day per week, okay? Let's say you're somebody who struggles with joy. You're just not a very joyful person. What if you decided one day per week is going to be what's called a day of celebration? And you're just going to do things on that day 
that bring joy to your life. For example, eat the things that you like to eat. Wear the clothes that you like to wear that make you feel good. Do the activities that bring joy to you. Hang out with the people who make you the most joyful. And on the flip side, don't hang out with the people who are like black holes of joy. You know what I'm talking about? In fact, you already know the people I'm talking about. You just have to say to those people, hey, look, <laughs> I can't hang out with you today. Don't, don't say it right now. I know you're probably sitting by some of them. But you get my point, right? You just declare a day of celebration and you do things that spark joy in your life. And I'm just giving you one example. And you do that over time, and over time you begin to train yourself to, to live every day in a joyful kind of state of mind. But the goal by regularly doing a training exercise is that if I do this over time, it will free me up, and it actually gives me the ability to do something that I can't do now just by trying to do it. It's kind of like a musician who practices every single day and works hard on their instrument so that once they practice, they can get up on stage and play it without even thinking about it. It becomes natural to them. Disciplines are like that. They're a means to an end. You don't do them because it impresses God or it somehow makes you a better person. You do them because they wind up training you to do what you need to do in the moments you need to do it. And whatever disciplines you wind up doing, it all depends on you. It depends on what you need to be training for. For example, maybe you're a person who wrestles with gossip and you know it's something you need to get rid of and weed out of your life. Well, there's a practice that you should go into, a, a training practice. It's called the discipline of silence. In other words, you pick some times during your week where you just practice silence. You don't speak. And you train yourself to not gossip. If you lean towards unhealthy isolation and pulling away from people when you shouldn't, you should practice the discipline of fellowship. You should be around some people in, in little spurts in your life and learn to do that. If you wrestle with hurry, maybe you're an impatient person and you just seem to be in a hurry all the time. You need to practice slowness, which means you need to put yourself in situations, in, in circumstances where you have to slow down. You don't have the option. Maybe you need to drive in the slow lane one day per week when you go to work. Maybe you need to get into the longest line at the grocery store and hang out there for a little bit because that will teach you that you don't have to hurry. You can live and be slow and be, and be patient. It's a training exercise. So now let's get back to what we talked about in the beginning. Let's talk about fasting. Fasting is the same thing. It's a discipline. It is a means to an end, and it will help you master your impulses and your desires. See, if your appetite for food or for sex or for money or pleasure or power wind up controlling you pretty often in your life, fasting is a discipline you can put into your life that can help you get rid of that. But now let me say this. Fasting is not for everybody, particularly fasting from food, because there are some of us who have health issues that you probably shouldn't fast, or maybe you struggle with an eating disorder. If that's you, then fasting is not for you. You should find some other discipline. But for many of us, fasting is, is something that can train us to be the people that we want to be, the person God created us to be, and it trains us to live in the power and presence of God. Now, it's real important to mention this, because this is probably the most important aspect of this whole thing. And it goes back to what Jesus said in the very, very beginning. Any spiritual discipline that you practice has to be done with a spirit of humility and grace. See, remember, Jesus talked about people who wind up fasting, and when they do, they want to let everybody know that they're doing it because they want to get credit for it. See, 
That's the problem with a lot of spiritual disciplines, and, and you've seen this before. The more you do something that's spiritual, the prouder you get of yourself, and then you wind up, by becoming proud, killing the good thing that God was trying to build in you. And in the end, this spiritual discipline you're doing winds up leaving you worse off than you were before. Haven't you seen that happen? I have. In fact, I think it's a temptation for all Christians. We Christians, we get so immersed in these spiritual things like prayer, Bible study, Bible reading, whatever it might be, which are all good things. And they become, well, we just become proud of our spiritual devotion. And then it leads to this feeling of superiority. We get this us against them mentality. I'm here and other people are down here. And then we wind up catching ourselves in this trap where these things that we're doing that are good wind up killing the good thing that God wants to do in our hearts. And so that's why Jesus said, hey, look, when you practice something like this discipline of fasting, he said, look, it's a good idea for you to do this in secret. Learn to do it without getting the satisfaction of people noticing that you're doing it. And notice in Jesus' day, he, and he talks about this, the religious leaders, he said, he says, don't make it obvious. See, in Jesus' day, many of the religious leaders would always choose Mondays and Thursdays to be their fasting day. Now, why did they choose Mondays and Thursdays? Because Mondays and Thursdays were what they called market day. It was the day in Jesus' society where a lot of people were out in the streets and they were shopping and they were going about getting the things they needed. And so these religious leaders would go out into the markets where everybody get the largest audience and they would wear sackcloth and they would put ashes on their head and, and there were these signs in their culture that they were, they, were, they were fasting. And many people would see them and they'd notice. And that's why Jesus says, hey, look, wash your face. Put oil on your head. That's, that was a cultural thing. It made them look normal. He says, don't make it obvious to people that you're doing what you're doing because they don't need to know. Because he's saying, look, this is not about earning points with people or earning points with God. This is about you training yourself to be the person God wants you to be. So just do that. Now, let me just say this. And I know for many of you this may be hitting you in kind of in a weird way because you're not even sold on Jesus and Christianity and you feel like we're like we're in the deep water here and or maybe you just feel like fasting is not something that's for you or if it's just not practical and you're just not sure how this sort of fits into your life. And I get that. I understand. This was a tough topic to talk about. But can I just make a, well, an educated guess? And I bet you I'm right. My guess is that no matter who you are and no matter what you believe or what you don't believe, I'll bet that you have a thing, an activity, Something in your life that if you were honest, you would admit, that thing has a pretty strong grip on me. I mean, it's, it's something that, honestly, I, I go to a lot. And I wind, it winds up taking a lot of my time, a lot of my effort, maybe a lot of my money, a lot of my attention, away from things that I know are good for me. And if you were honest... If you want to become that new you in the new year that you want to be and what I would say God wants you to be, that thing, that activity is going to have to loosen its grip on you a little bit if you're ever going to get there. And let me just say, if that's true for you, which I bet it is, why not give Jesus' advice a shot? You know, even if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, we've said this before, you can follow him. You can try out his teachings, and he'll make your life better, and he will make you better at life, and this is one of those times. Whatever that thing is that you know has its grip on you, why not try giving it up for a period of time this week and doing that for a period of weeks 
and just seeing how that goes. I mean, you don't have anything to lose. You can quit whenever you want. You can go right back to it. Now, I know what some of you are wondering. You're thinking, okay, what if I were to try that? What if I were to take Jesus' advice and fast from something? I'm not even sure what I would fast from. I'm not sure what that thing would be. Well, if you're wondering that, here's my advice. I would start with a prayer. I would say, God, show me. What is it that you're calling me to give up? What is it that has its grip on me that I need to loosen that grip on my life? My guess is if you pray that long enough and you put some real honest adult thought into it, something's going to come to your mind. And I'll say this. When you think of that thing, you will know that you've hit the right thing, that you're thinking about the right thing when you have that immediate thought or that immediate reaction of, oh, no, I can't give that up. When the moment you think about it, you think, oh, that's that, anything but that. That, that, not that, not that. Well, that's probably the thing that has too much of a grip on your life. When something has you that strongly, and this is real important, this is why this whole thing is important. When something has your life gripped that strongly, and this is especially for followers of Jesus, it's probably standing in the way from you fully depending on God, and it needs to loosen its grip. So what is it? Maybe it is food for you. Could be, but maybe not. Maybe it's something like, I don't know, coffee. Oh, that's too personal. Let's see. Many of us, we rely on things like that, don't we? Just to get us through a day. Maybe it is alcohol for you. That's what gets you through the day. Maybe it's TV or just mindless entertainment numbing out in front of some device. Maybe it's obsessive exercise. Could be money or just frivolous spending that you shouldn't be doing. Maybe it is social media for you. You know that fear of you might miss out on something or you might lose connection or validation from people? Maybe it's all the tech gadgets that you wind up being immersed in these days. I I know I'm the same way. In fact, I I did that once. I I decided to go on a social media fast for a week. And so I didn't look at social media. I didn't engage with it. I just didn't have anything to do with it for an entire week. And you know what I found out? I didn't miss a thing. Mostly because people kept coming up to me and saying, hey, did you see what happened to this person on Facebook? And then they would tell me what was going on on social media. So I didn't miss out on anything. But... I learned that I could go without it, and my life was just fine. In fact, I felt pretty free. Well, you just choose something, and I challenge you. Whatever that thing is you choose, fast from it for a small, short amount of time. Now, start small because you don't need to go long because you'll never get there, and and you'll you'll get frustrated and you'll quit. If you're going to fast from food, don't try to do it for a week. Try going from dinner one night to dinner the next night. If if you're going to... Put down the phone. Don't do it for a whole week. Just do it for one day and see how that goes. And here's what you do while you're fasting. Start noticing the hunger pains. Start noticing the loss that you feel. Notice the times when you reach for it and you don't even think about it. Notice the unconscious ways that you just lean toward that activity or you lean toward that thing. And notice, why am I going there without even thinking? What grip does this thing have on me? And as you abstain from it, start to notice what it feels like to be free, to know that God is with you, and that what we've talked about in this service already, he is enough for you. That you can say no to a desire, and you're okay. You can even thrive in it. 
And then here's why you take it to the next level. Use that extra time. Use that extra money. Use that extra effort to do something productive with it to do something compassionate for someone else, to grow your love and your dependence on God, to put your focus back on your heavenly Father who is always with you and live in his kingdom, live in his power, live in his presence. What would it be like if we did that? What would it be like for you to break free of the clutches of your appetites and your desires, that weakness that you feel towards that thing? What would it be like in your world? What would it be like for you personally? What would it be like for the people around you that you love will you think about that and while you do let me pray for you God there are so many things and I'm sure so many thoughts that we're having right now about this I know I am God we don't want anything to have its grip on us so much that it takes us away from our full devotion and dependence on you so God would you help us help identify those things in us and give us the courage to train ourselves to just be okay, to just lean into our relationship with you and let you be enough for us. I pray that as we give this a shot this week, that you would help strengthen us and guide us in it and that we would come to know you even stronger and even better. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for being here, guys. We will see you next week.